Welcome to the Church for All Nations podcast, streaming live from Tacoma, Washington. We're so excited you joined us today. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Have you guys enjoyed six prayers? I don't don't mean like, oh, do you like me? No. Honestly, has God done something, anybody in here that God has done something in your life through his word in these six weeks? Awesome. He is, I don't, it doesn't even matter if he's done anything in you. He's, he's rocking me. He's like changing everything about the way that I pray. And I love it. I love it. I love it. So we've been digging out of this anchor verse found in Ephesians 6. So we'll go to that like we have every week. Ephesians 6 verse 18 says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions. Everybody say all. All occasions. You mean just when you feel like it? No. You mean when it's convenient? No. You mean when you have time? No. All occasions with all kinds of prayers. And that's what we've been doing in this series, unpacking different types of prayers, different models of prayers, different ways to pray. There's all different kinds of prayers. And there's different kinds of requests is what this passage says. And then it says, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So tonight, for prayer number five, of six prayers, if you're taking notes, my prayer is that you are, because we are going to fly through a ton of scriptures tonight. And so some of them I won't even read. I'll just give you the references, because I'm trusting that you'll go home this week and that you'll start digging for yourself, okay? So number five is this week. And the prayer that we are unpacking tonight is not a specific prayer. It's a type of prayer. So the first week we did a model of prayer, right? And we've unpacked a few very specific prayers that are listed in Scripture. Tonight is a type of prayer. And if you're taking notes, the title is Prayer of Faith Over the Sick. The Prayer of Faith over the sick. Now, I have to tell you that this entire teaching tonight, number one, I didn't want to do. You can ask anyone who's close to me. I argued and bartered even with the Lord. I I genuinely did. And I know you think that's, oh, ha, ha, ha. Like, I was straight up bartering. And it came out, out of... It came out of a place of hurt and pain in my life. Um, A few weeks ago, our family lost an amazing sister in the Lord. Her name was Lizette Gonzalez, and she was a pastor with us in Miami. Before she passed away, she was still a pastor with our parents in Miami leaving two beautiful kids and an amazing husband who we pastored with, and she lost the fight to cancer. And in my grieving and my mourning over that, I got angry. Because it's not the first time I've lost someone close to me to sickness. When I was in my very early 20s, my brother, Jason, married an amazing woman named Cindy. Okay, so they got married. This is my brother that's 13 years older than me. So he got married to Cindy many years before. And Cindy's little brother ended up being the youth pastor at my church as a teenager. And amazing, amazing man of God, young man of God. He was in his mid-20s, and I learned a ton about ministry from him. And when I was in college, he was still doing youth ministry. Powerful, powerful man of God. 
And he got in a situation where his arms started going numb, just some weird freak stuff. I mean, he's in his mid-20s, right? So you don't really worry about that stuff too much. And he didn't have great health insurance, so it is what it is. And it got to where he couldn't use it very much. And I remember when we finally convinced him to go to the doctor, something about dudes and not wanting to go to the doctor. I don't understand that. But um, the doctor said that it's spinal cancer and we have to do surgery that week. And the second they opened his body up, the cancer metabolized even faster. It just metastasized. I said metabolized. My mind's somewhere else. The cancer metastasized rapidly, spread everywhere. And I remember his mom used to drive him to my college campus so that I could cut his hair because he couldn't move. And the week he died, I was laying, he was laying, and I was sitting by his bed where he was laying. And I remember him saying to me, I know God's going to heal me. I'm going to be whole. And we're praying and believing together in that moment. And at his funeral, in our grief, I had a lady walk up to me and say, oh, you know, you guys were praying the wrong prayer. You were praying for him to, make, to be made whole, and that can only happen in heaven. And while my mom was holding me back, <laughs> no, people mean well, you know. So when Lizette died, it brought back all of those feelings from losing Jonathan. And I started asking a lot of why. Lord, I don't get this. Why would you have Jesus bear what he bore on the cross? What, what's going on, Lord? I don't get it. And so tonight is birthed out of a lot of tears a lot of agony, a lot of arguments. Anybody else yell with God? I wrestle. <laughs> but a lot of study, a lot of getting in his word, getting in his presence. And I'm excited about what I'm going to give you tonight, what the Lord has given me that I'm praying he flows through me to you because what God has taught me will forever change the way I pray over sick people. It will forever change the way I think about praying over the sick. And it will forever change my prayer life concerning anyone that needs healing. And my prayer is that it changes yours. But we got to get a few things straight first. Is that okay? A few housekeeping things because there's a lot of baggage. Everybody say baggage. There's a lot of baggage when it comes to healing. There's a lot of baggage. And it's not from the Lord. <laughs> it's our baggage. The first thing, and it's not going to be a point. It's just something I want to cover. I want to get out there. Get the ugly awkwardness just done. Right? The first thing that I want you to know is that, yes, we still see some people healed and some people not healed. And you want to know why just like I do. And if I'm fully honest with you, I don't know why. I don't know why. And that has to be okay. And if it's not, then the rest of the night is just going to frustrate you. It has to be okay that we are serving a God whose ways are so far above our ways. And we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that later. But if you're looking for tonight to be a reason why 
Some people still get healed and some people we don't see the healing here and now. I can't give you that. So that won't be the case tonight. But I take comfort in what one of my favorite teachers taught me one day. He said, you know, we always think about when we get to heaven, the first thing we hear is maybe a beautiful hallelujah chorus, right? We've got sort of this vision in our head, and maybe the first thing that we hear audibly is the angels singing hallelujah with all the saints, right? And he said, but you know what I think, Ashley? He said, I think it's going to sound a lot more like, oh, that's why. Because there are some things we will only understand when we see him face to face. Scripture says it like this, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12, it says, for now we see in a mirror dimly. It's like a hazy mirror that's not clear. We're only seeing part of it. But then face to face, when we see the Lord, for now I know in part, but then I'm going to know fully, just as I have been fully known. So in the way God sees me and knows me and my situation, when I see him face to face, then I'm going to understand in the fullness. And that can't happen in the fullness here on earth. And so we just kind of, that part we have to be okay with. The second area, again, not a point, but just something we got to get out of the way. If someone is sick, it does not mean that they have done something wrong or are doing something wrong. That's not scripture. And so often we have these assumptions. Even when people are getting prayed over and we're, they're not seeing their healing, we're kind of assuming, oh, well, maybe, you know, either the person praying for them did something wrong or they are doing something. No, 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 no. Okay? Scripture says this, John 9 says, As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. This is Jesus. Verse 2, his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? See, this assumption has been this age-old assumption. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Some of us, friends, are walking through things in our lives just so God can get the glory. And we got to be okay with that too. The last thing before we get into the sermon. You didn't know my intro was going to have three points. Come on. Exponential. We've been praying for that double portion. Maybe this is part of it. Number three, God still heals today. God still heals. I believe it is God's will for you to be healed fully, mind, body, soul, spirit, fully. And I know that he still heals today because I've seen it in my own family. I've seen it with my eyes many times. One that was particularly painful for me was this January. And there's no coincidence that this was right after our church started our 21 days of prayer and fasting. The enemy is real, friends. And spiritual warfare is so real. Right after we started the 21 days of prayer and fasting, my daughter Israel came home from school and she said, Mom, this itches. And she had something on her wrist. I think we have a picture. See how it's just a little bit red on her wrist. Thought, Baby, what is it? And so I got hydrocortisone cream and I put it on there. And then a couple hours later, she said, Mom, my legs hurt. And I said, whoa, wait, go back. And her legs started getting these splotches. So 
I did what any mom would do. I'm praying while I'm driving to the doctor, right? And I rush to the doctor, and they're like, well, it kind of looks like an allergic reaction, but it's not one. And we think it might be viral, which is what they say when they don't know. I'm convinced. <laughs> Sorry, practitioners, medical people that are in the congregation tonight. And so they start giving her all sorts of meds. They're supposed to reverse it, right? There's steroids and there's creams and whatever. Now you can go to the next slide. And by that night, it's quadrupled. And this thing is morphing, and we're watching it as it morphs under my daughter's skin. We're watching it move. And I've never seen anything like it. These are not hives. And we're looking at it under her skin, and it is, it is changing shape before our eyes. And I get angry, and of course I'm scared. And I start praying over her. It starts going up on her face, but she is covered. Her trunk especially is just, it's brutal. And it is so painful for her that she's crying and she's crying. And so we've, we see a specialist. This is just day two. Just day two. And it's already getting that much worse. So that night I drive her to the ER because her eyes are swollen shut and she's starting to not be able to breathe. Go to the next slide. This is after we were leaving. This is when we were discharged from the doctor because she was able to open her eyes partially at this point. So I'm laying in my bed with her. And I'm praying. And I'm praying. Because the doctors had no answers. And we have... I think Mary Bridge is one of the most amazing kids' hospitals in the nation, and they had no answers. And so finally, we're leaving the hospital, and I said, no, I'm going to take her off of everything. We're going to pray. Because the meds, I'm not against meds. Don't take that as the wrong thing. But the meds were making everything worse. Nothing was getting better. So we pulled her off of all the meds, and I just kept anointing her body. And I use coconut oil instead of olive oil. You know what I'm saying? Because this is oil. And I'm just rubbing everything. And I'm watching this thing morph. And I'm watching it move on her face. I mean, scariest thing ever. I fall asleep speaking life over my daughter. J.F. and Fulton sleeping downstairs. I fall asleep sleeping, speaking life over her. And I get up early that next morning, it's still dark, and she's sleeping. And I'm so grateful because clearly the pain meds have helped with the ibuprofen and stuff. And so she's sleeping. And so I get up to make some coffee. And my little girl comes in the kitchen screaming. But this scream is a good one. And my little girl comes in screaming, Mommy, Mommy, it's gone, it's gone! And so what do I do? What do I do? I grab my cell phone and I get a video and I say, do it again, do it again. And I think we have the video here. It's God. Yay! Praise God. The night before to the next morning. We still don't know what it was. Our God heals. He heals, not because of me. Because I prayed for Jonathan, too. He heals. He heals today. And so now that we have all of those misunderstandings out of the way, we're going to dive into Scripture. And I want you to understand that there, in my understanding, is no specific formula for if you pray this way, it will happen exactly this way. And can I go ahead and tell you that if you encounter someone that teaches you that, please have them call me because I want to know. I've never seen a formula that worked in every single situation. But just like ingredients to a cake... And that so many things determine 
how the cake is baked, right? You got the oven calibration, maybe you have altitude, all these different things. There are specific ingredients that I see consistently throughout scripture. And those are the ones we're going to dive into tonight. Those ingredients led by the Holy Spirit of God to see healing manifest here and now on planet earth. I want to first read James 5, and this is a passage that I teach and I read all the time, especially here, because there's so much meat in it. And I think if we can honestly grasp it, God's going to do amazing things. James 5, 13 says, is anyone among you in trouble? Well, <laughs> let him pray. Is anyone happy? Anyone? Bueller? Bueller? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them. Underline over them. To pray over them. Not for them. To pray over them. I love that. We're going to come back to that. And anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith, underline faith, will make the sick person well. Period. That's Bible. Period. Exclamation point. Underline, highlighted, circled. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, since all of that is true, everybody say true. true. Since that's true, then confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Who makes us righteous? Jesus. But I want to look at the elements in this passage that lead us into three specific connections that we find to healing in Scripture. Three specific and continual, repeated connections to healing that we find throughout Scripture. The very first one that we're going to talk about tonight is healing is connected to proclaiming. Healing is connected to proclaiming. Why did I have you underline that word over, prayer over the sick, instead of for the sick? Well, before I started this study, I did not realize I, one of your lead pastors at Church for All Nations, did not realize that there is nowhere in Scripture that Jesus ever asks God to heal someone. Nowhere. There's not one place that I could find that my friends that are researchers could find in all of Scripture where Jesus asks God to please heal someone. Instead, he speaks the healing over them. Oh, but Pastor Ashley, that's Jesus. He's God. Same with the disciples. All the disciples. Speaking, proclaiming, healing. And I assumed that you wouldn't believe me. So I have lots of passages for you tonight. <laughs> Matthew 8. Starting in verse 5, Scripture says, When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. Stop right there. There are those in you, of you in this place that don't feel like you deserve healing. 
Maybe you feel like you haven't been healed of something. Anxiety, depression, that addiction, your pain, your suffering, because you feel unworthy. And I want to tell you what I told our leaders earlier tonight. And that's the only thing that defines worth is what someone is willing to pay for it. And Jesus paid everything for you. Friend, you are no longer able to biblically deem yourself unworthy. You are 100% worthy of everything that he has for you. Amen? Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. But look what he says. He says, but just say the what? Word. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. Verse 9, for I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes and that one come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this and he does it. What does that mean? The centurion understood the process. He understood authority and how this works even in the spirit. Look what Jesus says. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, truly, I tell you, I've not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. Wait, wait, wait. You mean... He begged God the Father, please, Lord, please, please heal this servant. No. You know, I was thinking about that even this week. And I was thinking about what we do to the Father's heart when we do that. And I thought immediately about when my daughter Israel started school it's a brand new school she's at, and I told you guys about how she likes to ride the bus. But one of the kids at the orientation, our neighbor kids, told her that sometimes she comes home and her mom's not there yet, so she comes home to an empty house. Well, Israel got terrified about that. And so for the week before school started, she didn't want to ride the bus because she was scared I wouldn't be home when she got off the bus. And that broke my heart. Not because she thought I wouldn't be home, because it dawned on me in that moment that she didn't know my heart. My daughter didn't understand my heart for her. My daughter didn't understand my nature to a place that she would have peace about coming home. How did she not? Of course I would be home or have someone responsible home for her. Of course I would. I've never failed her yet in that regard. And yet she doubted. And I thought, Laura, that must be how you feel. When we're like, oh, Lord, if it's your will, please heal her now. Please heal me now. If it's my will, what do you mean if it's my will? Haven't you read my word? Don't you know my nature? Why would I have Jesus suffer in the way that he did if I didn't want to give you that? And I thought, Lord, forgive me for grieving your heart. In all those moments. But Jesus never begs God. He never begs God the Father. He never even asks him, Lord, will you heal? He says, oh, you're healed. Oh, it exists. Take hold of it. And that's part of the proclaiming we're calling to. Look with me at Matthew 8, verse 16. Scripture says, when evening came... Many who were demon-possessed were brought to Jesus, and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed the sick. It's found all through Scripture. Get your pens ready. John 4, verse 46 and 47, a nobleman approaches Jesus. His son has already died. 
So he, of course, would think it's too late by then, right? Jesus spoke and said, go, your son lives. And it says that very hour, his son came back to life. They weren't even in the same place. Not even in the same place. Jesus didn't even touch him. A word spoken, not even over the dead person. Just spoken to the person who believed, who approached God, and he was healed. Some of you are praying tonight for someone who doesn't even know you're praying for them. That's okay. They're not even here. That's okay. Our God can do it. He does it all the time, right? Mark 1, verses 23 and 24. This is also found in Matthew 8. Jesus casts out demons with just his word. Luke 7, verse 11 through 18. Jesus breaks up a funeral. If I die early, God forbid, y'all let Jesus break up a funeral. And he's like, no, 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 no. Young man, get up. And he raises from the dead. Matthew 12, Jesus encounters a man with a shriveled hand. Jesus doesn't even touch the hand. He just says, stretch out the hand. And he's healed instantly. John 5, 1 through 9, Jesus is at a pool that's known for healing. It's where people would go to get healed. And he sees a disabled man lying there who's been that way for a long time. And Jesus asks him, do you want to get well? Some of you need to be asked that question tonight because some of us have found identity in our sickness. Some of us find comfort in feeling like we're the victim of this sickness. It's sometimes the first thing we tell people about ourselves. So do you want to get healed? Jesus asked the man by the pool. Now, I would have assumed if he was by the pool, then of course he wanted to get healed. But Jesus asked him that. And he begins to give him all the excuses why he hasn't gotten in the pool and why he's not healed. How many of us have excuses? And Jesus says, get up. Get up. Pick up your mat and walk. And I love that. Because Jesus doesn't say, just get up and be healed. He says, pick up your mat. Pick up that thing that people recognized you by, that identified you with that sickness, and go parade it around because you are no longer laying on it anymore. It dawned on me that most people wouldn't even know him without his mat. Pick up your mat so people know that I healed you, that you used to be lame and now you walk. And it's because of me, said Jesus. So pick up your mat and walk. And I know that some of you are still wrestling with that idea. Yeah, but Jesus is God and you're right. He is God. But scripture is very clear that when he walked on this earth, he made a decision to put off his godness. So he walked on this earth, as human as you and me, but perfect. And so the power that Jesus walked in on this earth is accessible to us. But I want you to see that his disciples prayed this exact same way. And I could go all night on this point, but I'll just read one to you. The disciples understood this principle of proclamation, of speaking, and I need you to write this down because some of you still aren't grasping the fact that God spoke the world into existence. He spoke and it created things out of nothing. And you are created in his image. You are. And not only are you created in his image, your body and my body are created out of dirt, earth. And guess what? The first thing, what God did in Genesis, he gave man and woman dominion over what? <gasps> the earth. 
So you have dominion over your body to speak to it. And it will create realities. It will create things in the physical realm out of nothing. That is the power God's given you. And so many of us don't walk in it, but the disciples understood this. They saw Jesus do it. They were taught to do it. In Acts 3, Peter and John, they're at the temple gate, and there's a lame man that's kind of hauled out there at the gate to get money. And I love this because this dude had no faith. Some of you are worried, and you know, I probably won't get my healing because I don't have enough faith. This dude didn't even know who he was asking Look at the scripture. It says he wasn't even looking up at them. And he's asking them for something. And you think you don't have enough faith. He even know who he was looking at. And I love like Peter and John are like, yo, look, look up here. Look up here. Look up here. Anybody seen that movie? Don't, don't yell it out. He's like, yo, look up here. And I love how he's like, look at us. Do we look like we have anything? That's how it goes in my head. And he's like, oh, silver and gold I don't have. I got something so much better. And he literally says, what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Not, God, if it's your will, could you please maybe sort of a little bit heal that? No, no, no. In the name of Jesus, Walk. And then he didn't stop there. And some of us stopped there, right? In Jesus' name, I'm proclaiming this. And then you leave the situation. And the Lord said, no, 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 no. Take his hand. Help pick him up. Show them that he can walk. Because he's been paralyzed for a really long time. And my guess is he's given up on even trying to get up. So what if he'd been healed and he didn't even try to stand? So he reaches for him and says, no, 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 you're, you're healed. Get up. Get up. And so tonight, some of you, if you have pains in certain places or if you're, you're going to have to go, wait, is that pain still there? Right? Or maybe you have legs that haven't worked in a long time. Like you're going to have to see if they work now. Or that person you're praying for that lives in Austin, you're going to have to text or call them and go, yo, at, you know, 830, do you feel something? Is there something different? You're going to have to start to test that. Otherwise, you're proclaiming and then leaving the situation. You're bowing out. Proclamation. God has so much in store. But I can't leave this point without reiterating to you, ladies, that your words have power. And some of you, we know the scripture, death and life are in the power of the tongue. But how many of you take it literally to the point of your actual death or life? And this is not condemnation. Hear my heart. But I heard in my spirit this week as I was studying that some of us in this room are so angry at God for being in the middle of fruit from our own mouths. Things that we've spoken into our situations that have made our situations worse. Ways that we just seethe over, oh, and it just, it hurts so much and the pain is getting worse. You just spoke that. You just spoke that he, you think he's doing this. You just spoke. Now, I'm not talking about with someone who will actually go to bat in prayer with you. I'm talking about just spreading filth. And it's not only manure, it's seeds in that manure. And what you need to understand is that if you want your situation, if you want your harvest 
to be different, you have to change the seed. Understanding that everything you speak over every situation is a seed. And according to the way God created the universe to operate, it's a seed that will grow. Good or bad, death or life, in the power of our tongues. And God can move and heal in spite of what you've spoken. He can do it. He can do it. And he will do it. All right, so healing is connected to proclaiming. Everybody say proclaiming. Number two, healing is connected to his presence. To his presence. The presence of the Lord. Matthew 9, verse 18 A synagogue leader came and knelt before Jesus and said, My daughter has just died, but come and put your hand on her and she will live. His daughter has died, and he still understands that that's not too late. I want that faith. I want that faith. Amen? 19, Jesus got up and went with him, and so did his disciples. Verse 20, just then a woman who'd been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him, touched the edge of his cloak, and she said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter. Whoa, whoa, wait. And we've talked about this before in women's Bible study. But if I'm the dude that got Jesus' attention, and we're headed to my house to pray for my daughter who just died, and this woman is slowing us down? Like, you got to be kidding me right now. <laughs> like, you might see the not holy side of Pastor Ashley in that moment. Oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> but in that moment on the way to another miracle because of her understanding. We've taught this before. Her understanding of the scriptures that Jesus was the son of righteousness and he would rise with healing in his wings. We know that. And she touched out. She touched just in his presence. She touched him. And he, she was healed in that moment. As he passed by, some of you tonight might even just get healed during worship at the end because of his presence, because of what you're open to. When I talk to, well, when I, when I watch interviews of some of the greatest teachers that flow in this incredible anointing of the gift of healing, which is a spiritual gift, but it's not, healing's not reserved just for that, so don't misunderstand. But when they do, they talk about so often, they don't even lay hands on people. People just get healed in the presence of God. And that even people that don't really believe, sometimes it's easier for them to get healed because the ones that believe have all the attachments. Well, I gotta be this, and I gotta do this, and I gotta say this, and I gotta have this, and I gotta da 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 and so tonight, we're going to pray and we're going to worship. And some of you, I believe, will be healed just in his presence. Verse 22, Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that moment. Verse 23, then Jesus entered the synagogue's leader's house and saw the noisy crowd. And people playing pipes, they were mourning. He said, go away. That's a whole sermon right there. <laughs> there are people in your life that are already mourning things that are just sleeping. That are already mourning things that God said, oh, no, 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 I'm raising that up. Don't throw that funeral yet. And what do you need to do with them? Go away. In Jesus, in love, go away. 
The girl is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. At Jesus, all-powerful Jesus, right? Verse 25, after the crowd had been put outside. Come on. After the doubters, after the people that don't believe that you can be healed, after all of that's been put outside, he went in and took the girl by the hand. And she got up because she was just sleeping. The Lord will speak to you this week about people that you've been spewing, you've been telling them all of the things that you're walking through. And that's okay, except for these are not people that are proclaiming over you. These are not people that are standing with you and telling you, you got to get in the presence of God. You need to start approaching God with this. So instead, there are people that are laughing, playing the pipes, mourning things that are really just asleep. And those are seeds that you don't ever want to have to live the harvest of. One touch. And here's what I want you to see. It wasn't even her faith. Think about that for a second. She was dead. It wasn't her faith. She was out. So some of you will be praying for other people who are physically dead, spiritually dead, dying. And God will do it through you because of the way you believe. Matthew 8, 23. It's also found in Mark 1. 40 through 45, a man with leprosy came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, if you are willing, eh. some of you are sitting in this room going, I know God can do it. I just don't think he's willing to do it for me. Your issue is not that you don't think God heals. Of course he heals for everybody else. Lord, if you're willing you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man and said, I am willing. Somebody needs to hear that. He is not a respecter of persons. I am willing. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. I was finishing the end of this talk today. And one of my friends in Georgia sent me and our mentor a text, said, I just feel like you need to hear, I am willing, thus saith the Lord. Come on, Lord. He's willing. Mark 1, 30 through 31, Jesus cures Peter's mother-in-law with just one touch. Matthew 9, 27 through 31, Jesus is approached by two blind men and he asked him, do you believe I can do this? They say out loud. They proclaim, yes. And then he touched their eyes and they were healed. Mark 7, 31, a deaf and mute man. Jesus puts his fingers in his ears and touches his tongue. That is weird. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he didn't mind though, because Jesus said, be open, and he was healed. Luke 13, 10 through 17, a woman had been crippled for 18 years. And he said, you are set free from your sickness. And then he put his hands on her and immediately she was healed. We're talking about the presence of God. A touch from him is all you need. With or without your faith. His touch, his presence. Luke 14, 1 through 4, a man that had an abnormal swelling of his body. Scripture says Jesus took hold of the man and he was healed. His presence, his touch, he is here. Where two or three are gathered, we're promised he's here. Whether you feel him or not. Healing is connected to proclaiming. Number two, healing is connected to his presence. Number three, healing is connected to persistence. Persistence. This idea of having so much faith and trust 
in God and who he is and what he's promised and what his nature is and how much he loves you and how he sees you and how fully he forgives you and how you cannot earn it to the point that you won't give up. Persistence. Matthew 15, starting in verse 30, uh, 22. Scripture says a Canaanite woman from that region came out and began to cry out, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. But he did not answer her a word. Timing. He didn't answer her in that moment. Timing. His timing, not hers. His. And his disciples came and implore him, Jesus, please send her away. She keeps yelling at us. It's crazy. She's acting nuts. Verse 24, Jesus answered and says to her, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Meaning, the timing is not even supposed to be right now. Right now, my assignment is to the lost sheep of Israel. Not that she was never supposed to be healed. It was a timing thing. And I love, I love, love, love what happens next. Verse 25, but she came and began to bow down before him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered and said, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Jesus is not calling her a dog. I've heard some interesting sermons on that. Jesus is not calling her a dog. Jesus is saying, you don't give your kids dog food. And you don't give your dog your kids food, right? It's what you've assigned to the proper things in that moment. And I love this woman because she is not offended by Jesus's timing. She's not offended by Jesus's plan. She's persistent. And she said, yes, Lord, but even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall from their master's table. This woman understood the heart of God that his heart is always to give, always to bless, always to love, always to heal. It is his will. Then Jesus said to her, a woman, your faith is great. And we've talked about this too. That word for faith there is chutzpah. And it means tenacity. It means a dogged, crazy, unabashed, unwillingness to give up. And he said, woman, your tenacity, your persistence, your dogged unwillingness to give up, it's great. And it shall be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed at once. I, I read that story and I think about Fulton and our new little puppy, who by the name, by the way, is named Gizmo, and he's a little Shih Tzu, and he's adorable, but I also kind of hate him sometimes. <laughs> Confession. And I remember that JF had gotten Fulton just a random little toy. I don't even remember what it was. And Gizmo got a hold of it, and he latched onto it with his little paw, you know, puppy teeth and his paws, and, and Fulton grabbed it and said, no, that is mine. My daddy got it for me. And I thought, Lord, let us be that way. In our faith for our healing. No, you're not taking this. The Lord gave it to me. My heavenly father paid for this for me. It is mine and you are not taking it. And in that moment, if we could grab a hold of that, that persistence that the Lord is giving to us, 
I believe we'll see incredible healing. But when Jesus, there's only, there's only a couple places listed in Scripture where Jesus, it says Jesus couldn't heal people. And one of the places is Mark 5. It says, Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town. He had gone home to his hometown among his relatives and in his own home. And verse 5 says, he could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. And it dawned on me this week. It wasn't that Jesus touched people and they weren't healed. Their lack of faith kept them from even coming forward to him. You see, they said, oh, that's that carpenter's son. Like, he ain't, he's not real. We saw him grow up. He doesn't have that power. And so they never even came out to see Jesus. Because if he had laid his hands on them, I believe they would be healed. Because you don't see Jesus lay his hands. You don't see Jesus touch anyone throughout Scripture without them being healed. And so I wonder tonight, I wonder tonight if something's going to keep you from coming forward for your healing. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have access to his healing power to pray over others, to proclaim over yourself healing. Oh, Pastor Ashley, I don't know if I believe that. Okay, write these scriptures down. Matthew 10, 1, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Every. Luke 9, 1 through 2, when Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God. Whoa, 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 whoa. They're proclaiming first. And then look what happens. And heal the sick. Luke 9, 6, departing, they began they began going throughout the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Mark 6, 13, and they were casting out many demons and were anointing with oil many sick people and healing them. Some of them, nope, all of them. Acts 5, 16, also the people from the cities in the vicinity of Jerusalem were coming together, bringing people who were sick or afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all being healed. The only time that we have recorded in Scripture that someone wasn't able to be healed, the disciples like went and pulled Jesus behind him. I was like, Jesus, what happened? We weren't able to do this, and this is new. And Jesus said, oh, well, this kind, I mean, your faith has kind of dwindled, so this kind, you got to get into prayer and fasting. Build your faith up a little bit to cast that one out. That was a rough one, right? Jesus is like, go. Healed. Why do I tell you all that? Why did I rattle off scriptures like a crazy person? Because God desires to heal you. God desires to heal through you. And as much as he desires for your physical body to be healed... He desires for your spiritual being to be healed even more than that. Awesome. Wherever you are, in your own words, He knows you better than you know yourself. Tell Him, Lord, Jesus, I want to live for you. I want your forgiveness, your love. Wash me clean, fresh and new. I want to live this life for you. I want to live it in its fullness with your perfect forgiveness, your power, living my life not for me anymore, but for you. And if you said that prayer, all of heaven is rejoicing. Thanks again for joining us. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. For more content and to connect with us, go to cfan.church.